Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Yes, a, another day, another NFL divisional preview podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 410 Yards NFL podcast. My name is Josh Enwood, filling in for Sean Blundell today, who is on the inactive list. He's on the COVID-19 exempt. He's unavailable for at least a week. So, Sean, we uh, wish you all the best, buddy. We hope that it's not kicking your ass too much. And I am joined today by two people whose main interest is the NFC East. As you know, we go around the compass. Last time around was the AFC East. Today, we're going to give you the NFC East. First of all, uh, my uh, compadre in arms, Steve Tuff, our Philadelphia Eagles extraordinaire. Steve, how are you today? Oh, it's highlight of the year, isn't it? The NFC East preview, Oh, where I get to wax lyrical about the Eagles until they inevitably fall to about 6-11 or something like that. That was not the confidence that you were exuding last uh, last time out, that you were waxing lyrical about, you know, this is going to be the year and all the rest of it. You, you know, maybe it's just the fact that you're not wearing an Eagles jersey today that's... Uh... Start the expectations low and let them build through the off-season. By, by the first week, by week one, I'll be ready to make us go in 17-0. <laughs> there we go. I think that that confidence will come when you uh, change your backdrop to include your Zach Ertz jersey. For those of you who have been following us for um, more than the last few months, uh, usually Steve in his old flat, he had a his wardrobe basically open with a Zach Ertz jersey just hanging in a very COVID Zoom meeting style fashion. And he's now moved into this swanky new pad. He's definitely upgraded. You can tell that he's moved into the cool, almost like a cool dad sort of vibe in terms of his recording studio, which he's got. He's got a brand new mic. He's got, you know, some nice art up on the walls, <laughs> all the rest of it. You know, he's definitely grown up over the last six months. I, and, uh, yeah, I maybe that's where the confidence is going. I had to get over Zach Ertz somehow. <laughs> and it turns out that moving house was just that exactly and uh we are treated today by one of our full 10 yards network contributors craig ridgden of big blue uk and ireland uh our new york giants contingent we don't get many giants fans around these parts and yet here we are treated to on today how are you craig yeah having a good day it's uh it's going well looking forward to getting into the Giants a bit more with some less than biased people, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, Steve is biased adjacent, shall we say, and I'm very happily in a different conference, so uh, I can happily look past it. Although, do you still have Freddie Kitchens, though, in your in your? staffing no 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 then then no. you're fine then <laughs> you're fine you're all good uh all good in my book um yeah before before we kick off so we are recording 
today on the 1st of August, obviously that is the day that the, the Sean Watson six-game suspension hit. Now, we're not going to cover it on this podcast. We want to keep this very much a divisional podcast. I can see the sweat just being removed from Steve's brow as I say these words. I don't think that he wanted to get into this too much today. Um, no, but you can listen to it over on believe them brits podcast that is part of the 410 yards network they have done a podcast pretty much covering that in the entirety from not just a browns opinion but also just from a general nfl uk fan opinion as well um i felt that we kept it very objective there so you can listen to the reaction to that over at the believe them brits podcast if you want to search for that on twitter just type in believe them brit and you'll find it so folks now that that's out of the way. You know how these work, Craig. Hopefully you've uh, listened to the uh, last one by now, but if not, don't worry. It's very easy to pick up. We go around the horn from first to last in each division and offer up a just a rundown of the off-season, things to look out for for the new season, and then we, uh, we play God and see as to who ends up winning the division and who ends up being bottom of the pile. Definitely not the Giants. But uh, I digress. So Sean had originally put it put in these uh, teams. We had to do a bit of jigging around since, but we're going to kick off with the Cowboys, which is what I picked up. So it's just going to sound like I'm waxing lyrical for far longer than I should. I'm five minutes in. I'm already bored of my own voice, but here we go. Um, realistically, and this is going to sound almost harsh, folks, but see if you agree with me here. The Cowboys have done bugger all in the offseason. They have done absolutely nothing apart from basically let people go. <laughs> You've got uh, Leo Collins and Randy Collins both leaving without any, uh, uh, you know, they've left without any sort of backup plan. Um, you know, and you know, that, that latter one, we're going to the Broncos at kind of like the, uh, the final, the final hour was uh, something really egregious. I knew that Cowboys Twitter sort of blew up over that. The Dalton Schultz issue still isn't sorted. Um, from what I can tell, that is going to wage on for some time yet. And apart from that, there is nothing of note really to talk about whatsoever when it comes to the offseason from, from an FA perspective at the very least. And when you consider as to how they finished the season last year you could tell that they were still very much a level away from the rams and the bucks and the packers of the conference um you know they might have enough to continue to win the nfc east but they haven't exactly done themselves any favors especially when you consider and the next team which we talk about especially the eagles have done nothing but improve so you know it's very much a case of should they be watching their backs um in terms of their draft it almost seemed a very untypical um cowboys draft really tyler smith o lineman sam williams on the edge and then a much needed wide receiver in jalen tolbert who is probably more the sleeper pick of the group there but again didn't really didn't didn't really play into their needs um it just seems to have once again done something of which 
you know, it's very difficult to sort of hype up the Cowboys today. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because that there just doesn't seem to have been a lot going on in the summer. Maybe they think that their group is actually better than their performance last year, which is which is valid considering their start to the season last year. But in any case, you know, it doesn't make for great reading if you just look at it on paper like I'm doing currently. Um there are a number of players to watch, though, either because they are coming into prove-it seasons or because they had really good starts in the league and now they're looking to kick on. You know, in terms of the former, Leighton Van Der Esch, Dal- Dalton Schultz, they'll be looking to you know, they'll be looking to chase the bag, and this will be the year to do it. Um, in terms of those that are looking to show that they are more than just a one-season wonder, Mika Parsons and Trayvon Diggs are definitely two there that uh, that come to mind. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, I, I, I actually um, pasted in this stat because I found it quite, uh, you know, quite telling. He became the first player to record 11 interceptions in 41 years. Um, those 11 interceptions are also a franchise record and ranked second in the NFL with 21 passes defended. Um, but, you know, his problem was in coverage. You know, he gave up 965 yards, which was the league highest in 2021, according to Pro Football Reference. So, you know, that's telling you that you've either got a fantastic player who impacts games and, you know, has a real telling on the score or has gives up far too much and over the course of a game ends up getting found out. That's pretty much it on the Cowboys there. I don't know if either of you two want to jump in on on the Cowboys. The one thing which I will say is that the NFC East doesn't get retained. Um, mm. Something of which I'm pretty sure that Steve was about to roll in with straight off. But uh, yeah. any musings? Yeah, no, no one's retained the NFC East since 2004. The Eagles. Oh, four. So yeah, it's been like it's been like 18 years since someone's retained it. So yeah, it, it's not going to be the Cowboys if that's anything to go by. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I obviously, being a fan of an opposing team in the comp, in the division, it's always difficult to not sound biased. But I, I I agree with a lot of your sentiments there. Like, the Cowboys just haven't really done much this off season, and I think that is some of their cap numbers coming home to roost. Like, they've got three players that have got a cap number this year of more than seventeen and a half million dollars. Three players, including a running back, Zeke Elliott. Like that that deal continues to astound me that they paid him that much money. Um, so, I mean, the, 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 they haven't added too much talent. And I think one of the big things that's going against the Cowboys now is that their wide receiver room is just not as exciting as it used to be. Obviously, they've yeah. lost Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper never really lit it up in Dallas. You know, he was never really the, the player that he was brought in to be. You know, they gave up a first rounder to go get him from... Um, what was then Auckland. Um, and and he just never really quite hit the same heights, but he's out the building. Obviously, um, they lost um, Wilson, Cedric Wilson, in free agency to the Dolphins. And Michael Gallup tore his ACL and was probably going to miss some time. So if you look at their, their depth chart on the wide receivers, in 2021, it was Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson. That's a scary wide receiver depth. That's really, really good. This year, it looks like it's going to be um, C.D. Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, um, is obviously who's injured, so we don't know when he's going to start. 
and then Jalen Tolbert, the third rounder from that you mentioned, and then James Washington, maybe. That's not the same on paper. Like, that's just not the same attack. Like CeeDee Lamb's a great receiver, don't get me wrong, but that's not the same attack. Um, so that's going to ham- hamper them. You also mentioned some of their offensive line plays. You look at someone like Tyron Smith. Over the first five seasons of his career, Smith only missed one game. Over the last six seasons, he's missed 32 games, including six last year. And now they've lost their depth on the O-line. What happens if Tyron Smith goes down again? The once-famed Dallas O-line. And last year, their O-line was really good. And I remember saying this same thing last year, that their O-line was getting older. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, guys like that were starting to get older. Now they've lost two of them in Lyle Collins and Connor Williams. It, who, who's who's going to back up if, if they, these guys go down? So I think their offensive line is also a big question. Um this year when it comes around to um, the quality of the team this time around. And I mean, when you talk about the, the Cowboys this time, you can't really not mention how they went out of the playoffs last year with that god-awful yeah. play call. Where they oh, yeah. Snap the ball. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a shambles. That just shows you Mike McCarthy is perhaps not the best man to be leading this team. But to give it some, before I hand over to Craig, to give it some sort of... Um, uh, balance in the argument. One thing positive I will say about the Cowboys is they have the the sort of the joker in the pack, shall we say, in that they've got the quarterback situation solved and they're the only team in the division that has. You know, mm. they have Dak Prescott, who is an excellent quarterback and by far and away the best in the division. And so whilst the rest of the team around him is perhaps not as good as it was last year, it's still better than any of the quarterbacks that, are, that they're going to face this year in the division. So they do have that going for them. Dak, when healthy, is, has proven to be a very good quarterback. So at least they've got that all tied up, unlike the rest of the NFC East. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure what to make of the Cowboys and whether they're going to be a, a threat or potentially an underwhelming opponent this year. Um, as as we've already discussed, their wide receivers don't look as threatening as they have done for, for years. And although they finished with a really good record last season, I think it was deceptive. If you look at the pl- teams that they played, they actually had a quite an easy schedule. They played the Eagles twice and the Patriots once, and that was all of the play- all of the teams that made the playoffs last season that they played. Everyone else really? missed the playoffs. Really? That was it, yeah. Uh, B- Buccaneers. Wow. Wait, Buccaneers. Did they play the Buccaneers as well? Yeah, Buccaneers was first game. Oh, okay. Then, but it's still not that many. Yeah, that, that, say, that's yeah. still that's yeah. still shocking. Definitely. No, I was uh, <laughs> I was just panicking a little there, thinking I, I swear that they played the Bucks first game. I was in the Lake <laughs> District trying to flipping get a signal on for it, but uh, yeah, no, um, it's still a shocking stat. You know that's yeah. that shows it was a really easy schedule, and then they get shown up obviously by uh, San Francisco. In, uh, I mean, you talk about the final play. I also talk about the ball that got lost in the screen. Um, it was just a weird, a weird game all round. The punt that ended up getting lodged in the mega screen at the Jerry Bowl. Um, yeah, so l- like you say, there is a there is a real sort of deception maybe and you know do, does it get worse do you think it gets worse this season then for them i think i think it does and i think a lot hinges on their defense if uh, if Diggs performs the same level that he did last year with his interceptions i know he got torched quite a lot i mean if you're going to throw to somebody that many times 
he's going to get a few interceptions at least, isn't he? Let's be honest. So they obviously targeted him to a degree, which is why his stat line is so sort of misaligned, almost like a seesaw in the terms of, yes, he had all the interceptions that he had, but to almost be done for a thousand yards on a season is incredible, especially to be the number one, you know, most yards given away. I think, I think if their, if their defense regresses, they could regress quite dramatically. And I think that was one of their strengths last season, wasn't it? Was getting the ball back in Dak's hands quickly, and then he would storm down the field and score points, and then they'd try and do the same thing again. And I think that I've, I've, I've found an interesting article that shows up um, some of the stats when it comes to players that have had historically high seasons of interceptions, and then what they've done the following season, because it's really hard to to mimic it. It's really hard to do it one season and then do it again the next season. Um, so, like, for example, if you take Xavier Howard, who had 10 interceptions in 2010 for the... Tw- sorry, 2020 for the Dolphins. The following season, he had five. Antonio Cromartie in 2007 for the Chargers, he had 10. Following season, he had two. Champ Bailey for the Broncos in 2006, he had 10. Following season, he had three. So, like, there's a trend that, that they're going to start regress and get off that. And I think that will be a big part. Like, I wonder how many points those interceptions, those 11 interceptions actually led to. I imagine it's probably quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's move off the Cowboys, gents. And on to something a bit more palatable for Steve, shall we? Let's uh, let's talk about the Eagles. How do you, how are you feeling after your off-season? Um, I'm pretty... Uh quietly confident with the Eagles after what they've done this season. The the front office has surprised me somewhat um, in some of the uh, uh, some of the moves they've made. Um, I after seeing last season it became very obvious that that team I think overperformed. I don't I I mean I'm, I listened back to our preview from last season and I definitely didn't have the Eagles making the playoffs. I thought they'd get six wins and that would be about that. Um, and somehow they made the playoffs and finished with a with a positive record. So you know you, you take that. Um, I think um, it's from what they've done in the draft and some of the trades they've made. It's it's very very encouraging. So um, getting into it a, a little bit before, I mean they they let a few players go on um, on defense. Um, Stephen Nelson went. Rodney McCloy, who's Rodney Cloud, has been a, a, a safety in the backfield for six seasons. He's he's gone as well. Um, so there was a lot of sort of rebuilding and, and a team that already needed a fair bit of rebuilding anyway. Um, but then obviously the uh, the big moves came pre-draft when it came to the um, the draft night itself because obviously the Eagles had three first rounders, 15, 16, and nineteen, from courtesy of um, Indianapolis. And um, I can't remember who the uh, I can't remember who the other team was. The, the, the team is escaping me. Um, but they had three first rounders, and they traded one of those to the Saints next year to pick up a, a first next year. So somehow um, uh, the Eagles front office continued to make moves and move around the draft board, and they've secured themselves another first round pick for next season, which is very exciting. But then the biggest news of the off season for the Eagles came on draft night when they traded for AJ Brown. And I think this trade cannot be understated of how important it is in the division. Um, I'm sure that fans of the other three teams in the division would have been cringing into their hands when they saw the Eagles pick up AJ Brown because he is such a good player. Um, his stats over the, his first three or four seasons in the league are amongst the top in terms of receivers amongst that um, timeline. 
Um, and he's really lit it up over in Tennessee. And I think their unwillingness to pay him, and don't get me wrong, the Eagles have had to pay a lot of money. I think he's on something like $24 million a year, um, which is a lot of money for a wide receiver. And especially when you've got Devonta Smith, who is going to need to also be paid in two or three years' time, that makes me a little bit nervous. So, um, But nothing taken away from that trade. I think he's a phenomenal talent. I think um, the onus is all on Jalen Hurts now. Um, there's some of the other moves they made. Um, they re-signed Fletcher Cox. They re-signed Derek Barnett. They picked up Hassan Reddick, which I think, again, was it flew under the radar a little bit. Reddick coming off a, a pretty decent couple of seasons in terms of sack numbers. Um, comes into play edge, maybe even a little bit of coverage linebacker. Um, and I think getting him rushing at the quarterback, along with um, Brandon Graham, who missed all of 2021 with a uh, Achilles tear. Um, I think will be huge for this Eagles rushing attack. Um, and just just cheering up other areas of the defense as well, like James Bradbury from, from Craig's Giants, who I think was a cap casualty from the Giants. I don't think he was necessarily a bad player last year. I think he was just a cap casualty. And Eagles were like, yeah, thank you. We'll pick him up. You know, the $10 million to play uh, second cornerback for us this season. I'll absolutely have that. Um, I was really pleased to see him come through the door because we needed a second cornerback to play alongside Darius Slay. So, um, yeah, I think the the Eagles made some really good moves. And then in terms of the draft, the biggest move was obviously Jordan Davis. The guy's an absolute mountain. He's six foot six and he's 340 pounds. And uh, I think today was his first day at practice. I, th- I don't know if he had a couple of days off or something, but today was his first day at practice. And one of the Eagles beat reporters said, he made a move today that a man of that size should not be able to make. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't be able to move the way he does. So it's going to be very exciting to watch him play for the next few years in Philadelphia because he's going to be an absolute monster. Um, I think the sleeper for Philly is Nicobe Dean. Um, he fell in the first round. I think there were some injury fears. He was the leading linebacker and I think a defensive captain of that Georgia Bulldogs title-winning uh, team. And he fell. I think there were some injury concerns. And the, the Eagles ended up picking him up in the third round. They were considering him in the second, apparently. And they picked him up in the third. And apparently he's been fully healthy and there's been no issues. And the Eagles were never concerned about it. So we've taken a, a flyer on him. And it looks like it might pay off because he was a really important piece of that Georgia defense. So I think that's the uh, that's where the... Um, the sleeper potentially lies, although the Eagles only made five picks this year, so not much to, to go on. Um, I think the I know we we say every year that when we do these previews that the on the hot I don't seat, want a quarterback, don't want a quarterback, don't do it. So because I can't say I can't say Jalen Hurts because it, everything on this in this division is all on Jalen Hurts and how he plays. Um, but I think um, I think in terms of on the hot seat, I think perhaps. It's the um, if if we're not going to say Jalen Hurst, then perhaps it's the wide receiver core, because I think and, and actually, I, actually no, I'm going to roll that back a bit because I think the the wide receiver core are there to to benefit him, but I think actually I would say Miles Sanders, the running back, he has said this season, this off season, that he wants to be the the main guy. He wants to be the man that that, that is known in Philadelphia for being the number one back, and I think he's shown in in previous seasons that. He's got bits and pieces of his game that he needs to improve and he can never quite get it all together. I think he's a good player, but whether or not he's the type of player that you sign to a four-year extension for you know, however many million dollars, I don't know. Um, but his main problem is, is when he's been asked to be the bell cow, he's got injured. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does that, especially with someone like Kenny Gainwell waiting in the wings last year's draft pick, um, who is another sort of Swiss army knife in terms of what he can do out of the backfield. So 
Um, yeah, I'd say Miles Sanders, there's a bit of pressure. He's also in a contract year. So this is going to be important for him. Eagles have got a history of not paying running backs. They just don't. So I wouldn't surprise me if he's moved on after this season because they can pick someone up in the draft or they've already got in the name of Kenny Gainwell. So, yeah, the, if, if we're not going to talk about Jalen Hurts because it is all on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have positioned themselves very well next year with two first-rounders, that if it isn't Jalen Hurts, if he's not the answer, they can move on. Um but yeah, if, it, if we're not talking him, it's definitely Miles Sanders. But I think also um, Howie Roseman has, has rebuilt a bit of uh, a bit of credibility this offseason as well, because I think a lot of Eagles fans were ready for him to be fired as GM. And uh, looks like he's um, certainly won over some fans, shall we say? Yeah, I like that. I like a bit of GM watch at the end because you know the Eagles were one of these teams, especially a year ago, where you start to wonder, you started to wonder. Has everything just gone? Have they lost the plot entirely? You know, is it ever going to get back round within a window? You know, is a window ever going to be created for them to get back to the postseason? And it looks like very, very quickly it has turned around again. You don't get many quick turnarounds in the NFL from, you know, dire to postseason worthy. And it looks like the Eagles have done that. Just like you don't get it from the from the highs to the lows that the Eagles went, the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017, yeah. and then in 2020 had the had the shocking um, four four eleven and one season. Like that doesn't happen very often. That was only three or four years removed from winning the Super Bowl. But I think you look at the NFC this season. Obviously, we've all talked about the FC and how stacked that is. We just listened to a pod last last week mm-hmm. to hear about one of the divisions. But the NFC this season, you talk about your Rams, your, your, your um, Packers are always there or thereabouts, perhaps the Bucks again. But outside of those three, where's where's the competition? I think the competition is wide open in the NFC. For Massively. Massively, yeah. I mean, Craig, what do you think about that? The NFC does seem to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of you've got one class of which is very much the A class, and then you've got people fighting for C and D grades of who will still qualify. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can probably add the Rams into the mix. So there's four sort of you know teams that stand alone, and then it is poor. I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson has gone from the NFC across to the um, AFC, so that's a, a big one big move that that's happened um and that that alone just you know with the talent that he has is going to make the whole conference weaker because it it just opens doors i think i think the eagles are the favorites though for for the the division for us and i don't i don't think washington have added enough and i don't think we will take the step up to push them so I think it is. I would love, love to see Evan Neal take on your uh, number one draft pick because Evan Neal's six seven three thirty seven. I think um, the whole stadium might implode. But yeah, unfortunately, battles there for the next few years, isn't there? <laughs> unfortunately, he's, he's just a start doing tackle, celebrity boxing games. Celebrity boxing games are becoming <laughs> all the rage. Just give it a year. Give it a year, and then that will be an off-season thing. I don't think there'll be a ring to hold those two. <laughs> Reinforced steel exists. It's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but, but you're right. Um, the trade of AJ Brown, we watched the draft together uh, as a foursome 
us in the pod and we saw that draft or that um that trade come in on draft night and just sat there in kind of shocked silence as we thought oh, that's not a great one for us is that, it? that's when you go your separate ways and it's like i'm off to bed <laughs> sod this especially when you when you cut your probably top cornerback and then we signed him as well so it's not even like james bradbury try and cover aj brown this season as well yeah i was kind of avoiding that because i don't even know if i can speak um yeah. that, <laughs> Hey, you've got to you've got to give a whole thing about the Giants next, and that was definitely coming up. Um, yeah, Bradbury. Bradbury was a cap casualty. There's no, there's nothing yeah. else about it. Um, he was tried to tried to trade him. They shipped him about, but I think that teams knew that we couldn't keep his salary. We we couldn't. So there just wasn't there wasn't there were I, there were offers, but I think the rumor is that. Once the offers came in, the teams were just lowballing Bradbury on the the contract that they were offering him because they knew full well if he turned it down, the the Giants eventually would just have to cut him. Um, and of all the teams he could have gone to, he went to the Eagles. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that you think the Eagles are the favourites for the division. I, I I still think it's the Cowboys, but uh, there's just so much hanging on quarterback play in this in this division. Like there's uh, like no other. It's very odd, but yeah, it's um, it's I, I'm quietly sort of confident for the Eagles this year, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself because all it takes is is for Jalen Hurst to just be not very good, and the Eagles could quite easily fall to like seven and ten. You know, because we're about to get on to to a team that proved exactly that. Yeah, um, I'm just taking a quick look at the uh, the opening schedule for the Eagles. You've got the Lions, Vikings, Commanders, Jags as your opening four games. You open up to three and one on that. Even not even four and but three and one. You're already looking at being a potential for yeah. um, for loftier heights. There's then, a really there's a really difficult stretch in the middle where they go Indianapolis, Green Bay, Tennessee. That's a tough end of November around Thanksgiving. But apart from that, the schedule this year is 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 pretty okay. Yeah, you've got you've got a nice schedule there. I mean, realistically, you've got to be aiming for at least ten wins. Yeah. You know, if you if you're the Eagles, you're looking at double digits, and anything less is a real disappointment. And yeah. you know, you you're going to be able to. I'm just taking a look as to who your um, who your your beneficiaries are in terms of finishing one position lower in the uh, in the table. Uh, so that would be the Steelers. So the Cowboys would play the Bengals, and you play the Steelers. You know that's uh, definitely not to be that's, sniffed at. As a turn up, I mean, to get to ten wins, ten wins are probably well, actually ten wins. I think would definitely get you into the playoffs in the NFC this year. And I mean, the Eagles, if you, if you want to be winning the division, you've got to be looking at four wins from the division, I'd say. So then can you pick up six wins elsewhere? And the Eagles this year played Detroit, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Houston, Chicago, and New Orleans. That's seven very winnable games there. Obviously, there's no such thing as an easy game in the NFL, but you'd think those seven right there, you know, you'd think you could easily win, pick up wins. Yeah. And then there's other games as well where they could win as well. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, put it this way, the difference between you and the Cowboys schedule-wise is um, Steelers instead of Bengals, Cardinals instead of Rams, and Saints instead of Bucks. You know, that's that's two to three there, yeah. I, I'd yeah. say, on paper, that 
it uh, swinging in your direction. Steve, I'm going to give your voice a rest, mate, and I'm going to go against protocol. I'm going to uh, I'm going to switch out the commanders and giants because uh, I feel like your voice could use just a little bit of a rest, and uh, maybe you can look over your commanders' notes a little bit more before you take command of the uh, end of the podcast. Uh, Craig, give us your rundown on how the Giants' summer has been. How long have we got? You've got a I'll give you 13 minutes if you really want it. That's probably, probably just about enough time. Um, the Giants off-season have been absolutely insane. We started off... Quote, end quote. Being yeah. big blue UK and Ireland. Done, done. Absolutely insane. If you think we've not only going or we're not only going through a rebuild on the field but we've gone through a complete rebuild off the field as well uh, we're going into a season with a new gm a new head coach a new offensive coordinator a new defensive coordinator the joe judge experiment didn't work um i'm sure the rest of the teams in the division are really really sad to see dave gettleman retire um <laughs> because he has essentially single-handedly destroyed the Giants from within from the last few seasons uh, and it was just it was a time for a change um, obviously we picked up Joe Shane as our new GM he's come in the culture's changed he's brought in Brian Dable uh, who was the Bills offensive coordinator in to be head coach we've gone with the maverick of Wink Martindale at, as our defensive coordinator who if anything, by if if anything goes by what we've seen in training camp so far, um, it's not giving Daniel Jones a moment's rest to try and uh, improve his standing within the Giants. But I'll come to Jones in a bit. Mike Kafka has come in from uh, Kansas City, their quarterback coach, who's obviously been working with Patrick Mahomes. He's come in to to be OC for us, but we still don't know if it'll be him or if it'll be Dable who ends up calling the plays. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter either way because Dable works with Josh Allen, so it's not like either of them have come from poor quarterback situations. From a, a roster standpoint, we we had to shed a load of head weight, <laughs> which also shed a, a lot of cap space. If you think that we let Evan Engram walk, who was great for his first season and then just tailed off, Will Hernandez never lit let anything on fire, he was let go. Nate Solder came in for big money from the Patriots, who we assumed would fix our offensive line and didn't. He was he took the COVID year off and then he was injured. Cole Rudolph was brought in as a tight end last year. He he's gone. James Bradbury has gone, but I think we've covered Bradbury enough. You know, <laughs> I don't think we need to go in there anymore. Um so we've been limited to very very team-friendly sort of vet minimum deals. We've picked up Ricky Sills-Jones, who has not really seen the field too much. He's not what you would classify as a big uh, veteran of, of the game. Um, I think our biggest free agency pickup was Glowinski uh, for our offensive line, which is going to be massive because we only have one standout player from last season on our offensive line this season in Andrew Thomas. Apart from that, it's Evan Neal, who is obviously a rookie who came in as our second of our first round picks. We've got Shane Lemieux, who the jury's still out on, on Lemieux. 
Uh, at centre, we've brought in John Feliciano, who hasn't played centre. I think he's started two games at centre, so that's a, a bit of a, a mystery there. And then Glowinski's obviously going to set up next to Thomas. So um, it's going to be an interesting one. The, the offensive line worries me a little bit, and I think that worries everyone. And the biggest problem is, is that this is a key year for Daniel Jones. Uh, his fifth-year option wasn't picked up. And shocker. he has more, yeah, shocker. And he has more to prove than any other player. Uh, I don't, I know we don't want to talk quarterbacks, but. No, he, no, you get a pass. You get a I pass. Get a pa- <laughs> I get a pass be- because yeah. we have such an issue at quarterback. No, no, because you're a guest, mate. On it, oh, like, it's, no, it's, it's us that have this rule. It's us that <laughs> have this rule. You are more than welcome to highlight whoever you wish. The quarterback role is to stop us from just picking quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's three players that need highlighting, and two of them are in contract years, and that's Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Uh, we, we've discussed on our pod many, many a time about what to do with each of them. Um, we would love Daniel Jones to light it up this year and become Josh Allen 2.0, but Naturally. it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's not <laughs> I would like my quarterback to play well. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. yeah. Um, but it's, if, is it going to happen? We don't know. Um, the signs aren't promising from the beginning. Uh, I do believe that, that Barkley will have a good season. I think Barkley will return to his, his rookie form. Um, he hasn't had an injury-free off-season since his rookie season. And his he rookie hasn't had season... an injury-free anything since he's no. joined the league. That's his main problem. He's made out of glass by the looks of it. Yeah, so we, I'm quietly confident he looks he looks good. He, he doesn't seem to be favouring the ACL as much as he was last year, where, let's be honest, he was poor. Um, but our, our big shining light for me is going to be Xavier McKinney. At safety this year, uh, he's been given the green dot by Wink, so he's calling all the defensive plays. He spent some time in the off season with Eric Weddle, which I am all for. For him to speak to a reigning Super Bowl champ, so happy with that. And let's be honest, Weddle didn't have a bad career before he was a Super Bowl champ last season. No, no, he didn't. He, he yeah, there, there, there are a few better at the position that you could have gone in Australia. So I think he's going to be our big standout. Um, and then for yeah, from a rookie perspective, I think our biggest sleeper is probably Daniel Bellinger, but I don't know if he's classified as a sleeper anymore because <laughs> he's he's kind of jumped to the forefront where we all assumed that Ricky Sills Jones and Jordan Akins would, would take first team reps. Bellinger took first team reps from the start, and when he was put on the pup list just before the training camp started you would have thought that we would have lost our star player, judging by the Twitter reactions. Um, I don't think there's a Giants fan out there who doesn't want Bellinger to start at tight end one, week one. Look, in terms of draft sleepers, mate, you didn't say Thibodeau and you didn't say Neil. You're fine. (laughs) They can't be classified as sleepers. No, exactly. exactly. Anybody else can. As as long as you don't mention the first two, you're okay. If we get to the end of the season... And Thibodeau and Neil haven't performed. I think we might be a little bit upset because there is yeah. a high expectations on both of those men. Yeah, well, you're talking to a Browns family, and honestly, first round picks not doing a job is kind of the bread and butter. You <laughs> you, you you lose the disappointment quickly if it becomes a thing. I digress, though, Craig. What defines success for the Giants this season? Anything better than last year. 
it's it's great when you have really low expectations after watching dismal play for so many years. I think a successful season for us needs to be five hundred. Um, and in, yeah, I, I would say around that. Um, I think the projections we've been going for has been around the sort of nine and eight mark, which, I mean, as we've already said in the NFC, might even see us sneak into the playoffs, which isn't actually something I think would benefit the Giants God, in any God, way. The NFC East taking three <laughs> spots in the NFC uh, playoffs. I mean, stranger things. Enjoy that happened. NFL season, fans. <laughs> Sorry to depress you on this Monday evening. <laughs> Um, I, I do think I do think it's real. It is achievable. It's totally dependent on that offensive line. If the offensive line gels and clicks, we should have a good season. If it doesn't, and we're and Jones is running for his life, and Barkley is trying to run through brick walls because there's no gaps, I think it could become a uh, season, uh, a, a sort of disappointing season quickly. Yeah, Steve. Any thoughts on the uh, on the Giants? <laughs> Trying not to be too biased, but no, uh... I think I think with the Giants, I think a lot of Giants fans will be glad to see the back of George Judge. Some of the stuff he was doing last season was just a bit chaotic and like just not of an NFL head coach. Like when he had that, um, when he had the whole the all running laps and all that sort of stuff in training camp last season, it was all just a bit weird. And then. Um, and then um, the offensive coordinator, who the old Dallas coach, whose name is escaping me, um, Garrett, when he, Jason Garrett, uh, Jason Garrett, that's it. When Jason Garrett in uh, the first press conference made sure that everyone called him coach, that was all a bit weird as well. That was all very odd. So I think the Giants has just been a bit of a sort of a dumpster fire for for, for several years, um, and I think getting a fresh start and someone with the with the prowess of Dable will be interesting. And I think. What they've done is similar to what the Eagles have done, actually. They've sort of put everything on Daniel Jones' shoulders. They've brought in a new offensively-minded head coach. They've shooed up the offensive line. I mean, you know, the 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 Giants' wide receiver room is not the best in the league, but it's certainly not, you know, nothing. Golladay, Tony, Shepard, Slayton, that's, you know, that's a pretty good sort of room uh, with uh, Wondell Robinson, the... the um, Third round pickup as well, potentially to come in as well. So, um, it you know, I think it's all on Daniel Jones's shoulders, and I think this is it. It's it's make or break. He said he's in a contract year. If he can't do it this season, they're going to move on. That's obvious. Um, there's plenty of players that they could pick up for a season if they need a rental next year until they can get a draft pick to to pick up a quarterback. And there's also plenty of quarterbacks coming through the college game next season that are forecast to be 2023 draft picks. So, you know, the Giants could be positioning themselves one of them if Daniel Jones doesn't work out. Um, but I think as well with the with the Giants, it their cap is is it's odd that their cap is as high as it is, and they've got the third least amount of draft of cap space as of over the cap right now. Um, they have the third least amount. And yet you still see holes in their roster. Like there's still plenty feels like there's still plenty of holes around the roster. So it's it, it's it's odd that they've got such a high uh, cap space. And I think you've mentioned Saquon Barkley. It wouldn't surprise me if he's gone. He, like you said, his injury issues are just there's too many of them and they've come up too often. And I think when you've got a running back like that, you can pick up running backs in the fifth round of the draft and they can be really good. This is why it doesn't, it baffles me when people take them with the second overall pick. So I think that's it. And I'd be interested to see your thoughts on the draft because a lot of draft analysts that I've, that I'm aware of seem to think that the giants absolutely nailed round one. You can't really get much better than the, 
in some circles, the premium pass edge rusher, and in some circles, the best defensive tackle in, in the draft. Like, that's two really, really good pickups. But then after that, everyone was like, well, the Giants got an A plus for round one, but then like a D for the rest of the draft. So a lot of people are saying, like, well, they started really well, but then the rest of the picks, it was like, huh? Not really too sure what they've done there. What, what, what do you think about that? Were you happy with the draft? I think if you go on a gut reaction on the night two and night three, I don't think any of us saw a lot of the value in the picks that were made. However, if you look at them now, by what we've seen in OTAs, mini camp, training camp, what the, the staff are saying, Wondell Robinson looks to be an absolute superstar so far. I mean, he, he really has lit up the the offense um throughout training camp he's not just lining up in uh at wide receiver he's also lining up at running back and he he does look like that kind of Debo kind of player that we could have Dan Bellinger was obviously quite under the radar and he's picked up quite a lot um, but even uh, players like Azudu I think the big thing for the Giants was versatility and that's what they went for with a lot of their draft picks was maybe not the initial impact that they can have, but the fact that they could impact the play across in different positions this year. Yep. Brilliant. So that's the Giants. We're going to now turn back to a team that we don't have someone in for today, but Steve, I'm pretty sure that you'll do them proud enough. Washington's commanders, do you want to take command of this section of the podcast and let us know as to how their <laughs> summer has gone? Don't try and include anything to do with the branding or the take command. There is more than <laughs> enough to talk about. I am pretty sure that if I wanted to, I could find many a thing to poke a hole into that. In. We're not here for that today, but please take it away, well, mate. The biggest thing that the Commanders did was trade for Carson Wentz. Um, they obviously last season they went with the the old uh, rental of um, of Ryan Fitzpatrick for the year, and it didn't work out when he injured himself in Week One and then never returned and has since retired. Um, so they obviously still had a big a glaring hole at, at quarterback. And interestingly, from this time last season, we were all pretty high on the Commanders. Um, um, and I remember being particularly high on their defense and thinking that defense was sort of shut down and it would, you know, that could win them games. And it turned out to just not be the case. I think a lot of players had disappointing years in Washington last year. There was a lot of players that just didn't play as well as they should have done. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons for that. Obviously, your quarterback going down injured is an issue. Um, I think obviously you also have to look to um, Chase Young getting tearing an ACL and going down. Um, he had, but even then, he, after a good rookie season, he only had two sacks for his first nine games before he went down. So he wasn't even really lighting it up. So um, there's a lot of pressure on this Washington team in, in, a, in a division that is already going to be competitive because of you know three teams that we've already talked about, that have, that are the, the Cowboys who are going to be there from their strength at quarterback and, um, and their defense that might regress, but we don't know. The Eagles who have tooled up on the defensive line and the defense and the wide receiver. And the Giants who, again, have done the, pretty much the same. There's a lot of pressure on this Washington team. And I think trading for Carson Wentz was such a weird decision. I think... That have we not all seen enough of Wentz now to know that he's not the real deal? Like, I'm not saying he's like 
absolutely dreadful. And I'm trying not to be biased, as he obviously used to play for my team. But look at some of the things he did last year for Indianapolis. That left-handed attempted pass as he was going down went for an interception and then in their own end zone. Like He what, just like, tried so hard. And what is that about? And like, yeah, and... and it was just a, it's an interesting trade i think it's it's i think it's his last hurrah and i think after this he might then become like you know a, a player that people will sign to back up roles or maybe someone will try him again as a as a starter but i think this is his last um starting role in in the in the nfl and i think one of the main things that has to happen in washington this season is a lot of guys have got to have better seasons than they did last year. Wherever they were playing last year, they have to have better seasons this year because I th- if they don't, people are going to get fired. Um, I think um, the honeymoon period is very much over with Ron Rivera. I think a lot of people thought he could come in and sort of change his franchise around. And I think, obviously, with Washington, there's also always all the background noise with Dan Schneider and all his ownership issues that he has, which obviously Rivera's got to deal with. And Rivera's gone through his own adversity. We, we obviously you know, must commend him for how he's battled that. But... Um, with his own health. But um, I think the honeymoon period is very much over. And I think if they don't do something this season, I think he's gone. I think it's an easy out for Washington because this is what they do. They'll fire him and they'll get someone else in. Um, There was also the whole controversy with Jack Del Rio and his comments about the January 6th overthrow attempt and all that rubbish. And he was fined $100,000 and he deleted his Twitter account. And that's an absolute... Uh, absolute shit show, shall we say. And I think he's probably lost a lot of respect from some of his players as well. He's a defensive coordinator. So this it's never it's never shy of drama in Washington. Um but I think with with Washington, like we've said like we said last season, they're they're a quarterback away from being a contender. But I think this year they're perhaps a little bit further away from that. Like their draft left a lot to be desired. Like Jahan Dotson I think was a good pickup from Penn State in the first round. Apart from that they went. I mean, they picked up Sam Howell at the quarterback position. Yes, it's round five, so perhaps it's not so much of an important pick, but um, that was an interesting one that they they even went for him when they've. You know, I think that uh, the time is definitely up for Taylor Heineke. I don't think he's he's getting a starting job anytime soon in in, in Washington. Um, but a lot of their a lot of their um, draft was a bit odd. Like they picked up a running back in the third round, and you look at. Um, you look at the Washington depth chart and you think, actually, wasn't running back one of your, like, you know, you've got Antonio Gibson, you've got J.D. McKissick. Like, wasn't wasn't running back one of your stronger positions? Yeah, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to throw the ball with a running back at this rate. Yeah. So they probably just need somebody else in there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, 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 with the, so the draft sort of wasn't the, uh, wasn't as, as very, very exciting for the commanders. Um, they didn't. I mean, they've lost Brandon Scherf. Obviously, a guard who went off to Jacksonville. That's a big loss in the in the offensive room. Um, Eric Flowers has gone as well. Um, Landon Collins, a safety, uh, he's gone as well. Um, they didn't lose too many, obviously, apart from um, Fitzpatrick and obviously the Giants, as Craig mentioned, picked up uh, Seals Jones. Um, they brought in a, a fair few players. Obviously, Carson Wentz is the is the household name that they brought in. But I think obviously one of the biggest things they did was extend Terry McLaurin. Um, and no other NFC East fans will be pleased to see him uh, prying his trade in the NF in in our division for the next sort of four or five years because he is a really good player. He is he is a 
um, a shining light in that Washington team because he's a really, really good player. And it'll be interesting to see. One thing that Carson Wentz used to be fairly good at was actually his his deep throws and his and his deep routes when when he connected with players. So it'd be interesting to see if he can utilize that because Terry McLaurin can definitely take the lid off a of defense. He's very good at that. Um, but I think yeah, it's it's it, it all just hangs on. On, I, I don't think Wentz is the answer. Um, their defense is far worse than it was last season. Their linebackers, you know, they've, you know, they've, they're not going to be cutting up any trees with that linebacker core. Um, after Terry McLaurin with the wide receivers, who else have they got? Who else is really going to cause issue? I really like the Curtis Samuel trade, but he he did next to nothing last season. Um, so you know, it's 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 a difficult one to big them up, especially when. Uh, when you look at the three teams that we've talked about, and I, I would have all three. It's strange because I was so high on Washington last year, but I think I'd have all three of those above Washington this year. I think Washington will finish dead last in the division. And I think um, uh, I think one to watch for me, I think would perhaps be some of the wide receivers. I think Terry McLaurin, we already know about him. I think Jahan Dotson, actually. I think that was a really smart pickup, and I think um, they needed some help in the wide receiver room. So I think that's an interesting one to look out for. I think in the hot seat, I'd perhaps have to go for head coach. I think Ron Rivera, I think he he was brought in to do a job. So far, he really hasn't done that. I think they finished seven and nine and won the division in his first year, his first full year. Um, And then last season, they finished, was it... um, um, five and twelve, or, or eleven and six, something like that, six and eleven. Sorry, um, very, very disappointing season for them last season when they were expecting to be much better than that. Um, so yeah, I think the hot seat's definitely uh, getting warm for him, and um, it wouldn't surprise me if they start the season badly. They've, I mean, they've got a relatively decent start. They start Jacksonville, Detroit, Philadelphia, Dallas, Tennessee, Chicago. So. If, if this Washington team wants to play well, they could quite easily go four and two there if they want to. But I think you'd, some of those teams will be looking at Washington and going, yes, we can win that game. So yeah. it's uh, it's difficult for Washington this year. It's difficult to get too much, too sort of too hyped about them. But how many times have we said that about a team that have, have got all the answers apart from quarterback? Um, it seems like a bit of a broken record. But for me, Carson Wentz is just not the answer. Yeah. For, for me, like you say, it's. Looking at their position last year, have they improved? Have they improved as much as others in the division? And to both of those questions, I say no. You know, I I think that, you know, outside of the quarterback position, where I think there is a slight upturn, uh, because obviously, you know, they basically went with Taylor Heineke for the season. I think he's better than Taylor Heineke, but I don't think that the team outside of that has done too much else especially compared to the rest of the division. I reckon that they fall at that hurdle there. Craig, I don't know what you think of it. Yeah, I think Washington, though they've got a, a, an easy schedule this year, if you look at the strength of schedule, I think I think us and them are pretty much neck and neck for having the easiest schedule in the NFL, which I'm not going to complain about from the Giants' perspective. <laughs> but Washington don't have a bye till week 14. Oof. Oof. They've got the late which, buyer, they? which is which, which could hurt them if they. Carson Wentz has to rest that leg all the way up. <laughs> I think if they would, if if they start poorly, they don't have that ability to kind of take them into the bye week and g them up because by the time they get to there, they could potentially be closing in on double digit losses. 
and they got back-to-back games against your Giants either side of the bye week as well. So by that point, you know, you could that could be sort of real fighting it out. And that's and apart from their final game of the season against Dallas, that's their last divisional game. So it'd be interesting, yeah, if that comes down to those being two really important games. And then they've got a way trip to San Francisco on on Christmas Eve. So yeah, that's a that's a long old way. I think Eagles have the week 14 bye week last year. It feels like ages. When it comes around, it's like, oh, I thought we only had our bye week. <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> Yes, so I tell you what, lads, let's bring this together. We've got about five minutes to the top of the hour. Let's have your predictions for the NFC East. Your order, and then if any get to the post, well, obviously at least one has to get to the postseason, how they then do in the postseason. Craig, we'll start with you as our guest. Uh, I'll go top down. So I think it will be Eagles... Cowboys, Giants, and then Washington. And then in terms of, so do the Cowboys get into the playoffs there? I think because the NFC is weak, I think they probably do. Yeah. And then in terms of obviously going on from there, do you see them doing anything, either the Eagles or the Cowboys in that? I I don't think so. I think the strength of other teams in the, in the conference is just going to be too much for either of them. I, I, if they if they scrape past the wild card, I can't see them going any further than the week after. Fair enough. Uh, Steve, how about yourself, bud? How do you see yourselves and your uh, adversaries doing? Strangely enough, like I'm, I, we joke about it, but I am pretty high on the Eagles this year. I think the Cowboys have lost a lot of pieces, and I think that line may implode at some point. And if they can't keep Dak up, right? We we saw what happened in 2020 when he got that awful ankle injury. If they can't keep Dak up, right, then I think they lose games. Um, and I, I, I'm just really high on the Eagles. I think they've made some really shrewd moves and weakened opponents as well. And I think that's really important. So, strangely enough, I actually have the order exactly the same as Craig. I think it'll be Eagles will win the division. I think the Cowboys will come in second. I think Giants will pip Washington to third and fourth. Um, and I'm looking at the the NFC. I think the Cowboys do make a playoff berth with that, um, probably six or seven. But I'm looking at the NFC now, and you look at some of the you know the rest of the division of winners write themselves. You know the Packers will win the North, the Bucks will win the South, and the Rams will win the West. And then you look at the rest of the the NFC, and you think, well, where are the other two playoff teams coming from? Um, maybe the Cardinals. I'd probably put the Cardinals in there actually, and then. Uh, I don't know who else. I really don't. I, I don't Probably know who else is. Maybe. I mean, yeah, but they're going with Trey Lance, and how is he going to work out? He'll you know, be so fine. It's it's going to be interesting to see where they come from. And so, if the Eagles are hosting a Cardinals or a Niners team, or maybe even a Cowboys team, you know, cause that could certainly happen. You, I, you know, I could see them winning one game. I don't think the Eagles are in a place yet to be going anywhere near a sort of NFC Championship or a or a Super Bowl. Dare I say? Um, but I think they could get to the playoffs, and they may win one. Um, but I think that's where that's where the road ends for the Eagles, and I think Cowboys are the same. I think it's sort of toss a coin, really. I don't think they get much further than that, um, and I think it'll be the same old suspects for the NFC again this season. Now you see, you how about both, you, Josh? I was going to say you've both gone for the adage that no one retains the NFC East, and I refuse to believe a world whereby there just seems to be this random block that lasts forever. 
<laughs> you know, the, 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 it's it's not a rule, right? You know, I know it's been going on now for God, almost twenty years. <laughs> um, how on earth has a division not been retained for twenty years? That does not make sense. In fact, just thinking, so that's eighteen years. That is right. They can legally, or, the NFC East can legally order a drink with the age that it had <laughs> in not retaining a flipping winner. But something tells me that. The Cowboys haven't weakened enough. The Eagles will get up there, and it might be that they even have the same record, and it ends up going to head to head. But I think that the Cowboys are still a very good team and could do the unthinkable and break that run. Again, I'm basically putting the Cowboys and the Eagles in the same in in the same sort of line. Um, I reckon that they do both go into the playoffs, as you both alluded to. Um, and then it is it is a crapshoot. You know, whoever wins a division, I think, actually has a pretty good shot at whoever is the wild card holder, um, or obviously the player of uh, that same division. The um the main the main question would be what would they do afterwards? I think that both teams aren't equipped to to play in a divisional currently and win. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much the same as you there, Steve. Just uh, not as high on the Eagles yet. I'm seeing a lot of hype around them that just needs to be tapered down just a little bit, not all the way, but just enough, just just a little snip on the fringe. Yeah, I think I think I think ten or eleven games gets you there. I think it will be there or thereabouts. Um, I don't see anyone running away with like fifteen wins. It's not going to be anything like that. No, no. Um, I mean, this is the NFC. You know, yeah. we uh, we we don't deal with that. Not even the Packers deals with yeah. that on a regular basis. Yeah, but I think I think as if you, in the playoffs, if you can avoid, I think if you look at in the NFC, if you can avoid Los Angeles, um, you know the. I'm, again, I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying that these teams are easy to beat, but the Packers have lost a few pieces. It's going to be interesting to see how they play without Adams. Um, the Bucks, Tom Brady's about 806 years old. He's got <laughs> to eventually slow down, eventually. Time tells me that eventually he has to. And also, they've lost a few players as well. So, like, I think but they said that avoid... about Emperor Palpatine, but he was still going strong. Yeah, he ended did. up just yeah, being did. a weird holograms type thing that ended up taking over the entire planet. So, you know, true. that's. You know, you got to think of it on those terms. Tom Brady will still be around for the next 800 years. <laughs> that is true. But I think my point is, is I think if you can avoid the Rams, anything can happen in the playoffs. And I'd, I'd, I'd still be confident with, I think, you know, it'd be very, very difficult. Don't get me wrong. But I think if I was coming up against pretty much any other team in the NFC, I'd feel, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be well up for the game. I don't think it'd be a rollover. Fantastic. Well, gents, just hit the hour mark or so. I'm going to call it there for the NFC. Thank you very much to both of you for joining us today. Craig, do you want to quick give a quick shout out to your podcast that is part of the uh, Full 10 Yards Network, Big Blue UK and Ireland? Yeah, so we are we are Big Blue UK and Ireland. You can find us on Twitter at Big Blue UK IRL. Uh, there's me, Dan, Shane, and Kev. We try and release a podcast every week. We're currently breaking down the positionals for the Giants. So there'll be a new pod 
on Monday and one dropped the previous Friday. So check those out. Fantastic. And please do. They do a great job over there and we'll be uh, keeping in touch with you, Craig, and the team over the course of the season, no doubt, especially if the Giants do continue their trajectory much in the way of which you've described today. Thanks for coming on today. Um, Craig has also been part of our season guide. He's put in the Giants entry and a couple of others as well for us for where we've had a couple of spots for the 2022 season guide. It is available now on our website to pre-order at full10yards.co.uk slash guides it's 15 quid instead of 20 for a printed copy and a fiver for digital but if you use the code full 10 that's f-u-l-l 10 then you get 10 percent off so 13.50 instead of 20 and you get a fantastic looking guide as well if i do say so myself that's because i'm the one designing it but uh, you'll get it with two to three weeks before the start of the season more than enough time to digest the fan view articles we've got a couple of uh, we've got a few like main articles as well which outlines the nfl season past and future to get your tea stuck into we've had quite a few orders already if you do want a printed copy please do get your orders in in the next week or so because we are doing one print run and one print run only profits go towards developing uh, developing channels and content and also towards good causes that help grow the game here in the UK. So please do, uh, if you're looking for something beyond just a guide, this is definitely that. We do everything for the game here in the UK. Craig, Steve, thank you very much for coming on today to the 14 Yards podcast. We'll be back next week to discuss the South, I believe it is. Yeah, we'll be doing the AFC South next, so stay tuned for that.